Welcome to the Wealth Studying Podcast. This is episode 441. Today is January 16th, 2024. I'm your host, John Pagliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, small cap stocks are on my mind. I saw a headline today that said that investors haven't loved small cap stocks this much in nearly three years. Well, as a contrarian investor, a headline like that in and of itself, should discourage you from buying into the frenzy. And if you own them, you might want to think about selling them. That's my perspective as a contrarian investor. But having said that, small cap stocks have been in my mind for a long time. They're always on my mind. If you follow my blog over at investablewealth.com, or if you subscribe to the free email blog alert notifications, then you know that I'm often talking about small cap stocks. I talked about them just in the most recent post. Incidentally, if you're not subscribed to the free blog alert notifications, I don't know why you wouldn't be. Oh, I know why you wouldn't. You'd rather email me and ask me what I'm investing in or what I've bought or haven't bought instead of simply reading the blog alert notifications to see if I've mentioned anything about buying or selling. But oh, that's, that's another story. Hey, back to small cap stocks. I am a fan of small cap stocks, even when I don't own them, because they very much act like a canary in the coal mine as far as an early warning system for the direction of where the general stock market may be headed. It works in cases of up markets as well as down markets. Small cap stocks, by their very nature, because they're small, they tend to be more volatile. Not they don't tend to, they are more volatile. So I'm a big fan of every day monitoring and watching small cap stocks, whether I own them or not. I've been paying particular attention to them in the last 18 months or so for several reasons. We'll get into that in today's episode. But one of the big reasons in terms of trying to determine when we're going to come out of a market malaise and have the markets go on to put in real sustainable all-time new record highs. Now, I know a lot of markets have been floating with near-record highs or certainly have put in 52-week highs. You see that since we've gotten into the new year and we're kind of in this January effect where a lot of investors are now having buyer's remorse, you'll see that the general markets are selling off and in particular, the small caps are fading very fast. Now, it isn't that I think that this rally that we're in is simply a dead cat bounce and things are going to get horrible and fall apart. I'm just not convinced that we've fully gotten through all the hangovers and the distortions from the way the pandemic was handled from an economic standpoint. And I just don't say that to say that. Look at things like purchasing manager index, manufacturing and service numbers for not only the U.S., but the entire globe. And you'll see that for the last couple years, the market's been in a malaise. Yeah, it's made some highs. A lot of them in 2021 or early 2022, but we've certainly had multiple pullbacks. Just about nine or 10 weeks ago, the S&P 500 was down like 16%. So I don't think we're out of the woods yet. And that's why we're one of the reasons why I've been very cautious to jump back in, particularly when money market funds are paying such attractive yields and offering no risk. One of the ways I'll know that we are onto a long-term bull market is that cyclical-type stocks 
will start breaking out and they'll sustain those breakouts for higher prices and higher volume. And small cap stocks will most likely, as they've been in past bull runs, they'll be part of that early breakout. Now, yes, going back from the rally that we've had since the October lows, small cap stocks have broken out. They did outperform the general market in the S&P 500. So why didn't I jump in? Well, I only see two changes as we come into this new year, and neither of those were convincing enough to me that I should move out of money markets where my money is currently safe and paying a real rate of return. I'll get to those two items in a minute, but let's focus on the small caps right now. It makes sense that they would have broken out in October as we came off of those lows because the valuations on small cap stocks are extremely attractive. That's one of my biggest concern about the general market is that I think that valuations are priced for perfection and are very fat and generous right now, and I don't think enough risk is being priced into those valuations. So the fact that things like small cap stocks do have lower, better valuations, and it's, again, exactly the reason why they're cyclical. When everybody's worried, they sell off small cap stocks. And so when things start to get better, the smaller cap stocks, which have been sold off, are, quote, cheaper. They have lower valuations. And you do want to pile into them. But the problem with simply looking at valuations and buying on value is that sometimes things are cheap for a reason. Let's look at the small cap stocks generally, looking at the Russell 2000. Something like 38% of them are not profitable. You've heard me say this time and time again over the last year. I'm going to continue saying it until that number improves. My big concern for that large of the percentage of the small caps not being profitable and why that may not have bothered me, like, say, two years ago, and it really is concerning to me now, is that I believe we're in a different era of interest rates. Now, I don't think interest rates are going into the double digits and we're going to see the extreme inflationary pressures that drove interest rates to those levels back in the late 70s and early 80s. That was a different era. But I also don't think we're in that low inflation era of moderation that we've pretty much been living through the last 40 years. And in particular, over the last 10 to 15 years, we've been in an era of either cheap or downright free money. I think those times are gone. And so when you look at these small cap companies that are not profitable, nearly 40% of them, you have to ask yourself, if they weren't profitable over the last decade, when they pretty much had a free hand of easy money, and they could, even at junk bond rates, borrow money for less than 5.5%, well, if they couldn't be profitable then, then how can they be profitable going forward when they're probably going to be having to pay more than 8% if they can even find a bank to loan to them to begin with? That's the conundrum I think we're in. And it gets worse because if you drill down, and again, you've heard me say this multiple times, if you drill down, not only are nearly 40% of these companies unprofitable, but there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 30% of those companies that are not only not profitable, they don't even have enough cash flow to service their debt. That's a problem. 
And that's really a problem if those companies are still paying those low rates from, you know, 2020 and previously. So you can only expect that number of 30% to get higher as more and more companies have to refinance. Small businesses are not like homeowners that have 30-year fixed mortgages. Most of these smaller companies have to refinance their debt every five years or so. So there's going to be a lot of debt that comes due over the next couple years, and a lot of it hitting this year. So I don't think that's good for profitability of these near-bankrupt zombie companies. And there are lots of them. And before we even get into the total zombie companies, take a look at the small-cap stocks. Don't just go out and buy some index. Drill down and understand what you're owning. A large percentage of small-cap stocks are regional banks. These are the banks that have an excess amount of loans in commercial real estate, which is distressed. Now, I'm not a gloom and doomer. I don't think that the office space and the retail space that's got to be repurposed and refinanced, I don't think that that's going to crush the economy or necessarily throw us into a huge financial crisis like we saw in 2008 because, I mean, there's a lot more residential real estate, obviously, that's tied into the economy than this distressed commercial real estate. But it is a clear and present danger to the small regional banks that own those properties. They're going to have to work their way through that. The Federal Reserve will help them. You know, don't buy into the hysteria that there's no money in these banks and they're all going to go bankrupt because... Come on, you're, you're big boys and big girls. You know the secret of fractional banking. There is no money in the system. There never was. There wouldn't be even if all these commercial real estate loans got paid off in full. That's the way the fractional reserve banking system works. So don't buy into this nonsense you hear from people that are always talking about some catastrophic collapse that's just around the corner because there's no money in the banks. There's never any money in the banks. That's how the Federal Reserve System works. Can you tell that I've had more than one or two emails from concerned listeners that have bought into the fact that any day now there's going to be a banking collapse? If that's your concern, you're listening to the wrong podcast. Listen, there's a lot of things to be concerned about. The U.S. banking system isn't one of them. If they get into trouble, they've got an uncle with a lot of money that always bails them out. But where the concerns are, especially in small cap stocks beyond these regional bankers that do have someone to bail them out, you know where there's a lot of problems? It's in the unprofitable, let me change that, not unprofitable, it's in the never going to be profitable tech and biotech companies that make up a large part of the index. Again, filter through that. Look at companies that have never made money and probably never going to make money. So look through the small cap indices. Comb through it. You're going to find there is a lot of reason that the overall index has lower valuations. And that's because as a general category, it's been shunned because there is a lot of trash and garbage in it. That chart that I put up last week over at investablewealth.com showed two charts It showed how the small cap stocks have been outperforming the general market over the past two months. But specifically, it zoomed in and showed that as of the last week in December, that the Santa Claus rally for small cap stocks had already started to peter out. 
Before the month of December had closed out, small cap stocks were down more than 2% from their 52-week high. And as of the chart I showed last week, they were down by something like 5.5%, at least somewhere over 5% from their 52-week high. That's drastically performing worse than the general market. And the news gets worse because since I put that chart out, the small cap index is down probably another maybe one and a half or two percent, probably probably closer to two percent or maybe even more. I mean, just today alone, when the S&P 500 was down 37 basis points, the Russell 2000 small cap index was down 121 basis points. So something like nearly three times worse in one day's performance. That's pretty much consistently what we've been seeing since the end of December. So no, I don't think the rally is broadening out to include the smaller and mid-cap stocks. Now, the mid-caps and the general equal-weighted S&P 500 are not performing as poorly as the small caps, because remember, the small caps are the more volatile. They are the canary in the coal mine early warning system. But the January effect has definitely taken place. There's a lot of buyer's remorse among investors. And I can't predict the future, so I don't know if things will get worse, but I'm watching small cap stocks because they're going to give us an indication of where the general market is headed. And right now, small cap stocks are within only about 2%, maybe a little more, 2.2%, 2.3% from their 50-day moving average. Now, there's a lot of support there, but that's going to be critical. If they don't bounce off of that 50-day moving average, then I do think for now... This rally, at least put on hold or stalling. What's more concerning than that is that just a little bit below that 50-day moving average is the convergence of the 200 and the 100-day moving averages, which should provide a great deal of support. So it is likely that if it does get that low, it will bounce off of that. But that's what you want to watch. If it can't sustain that level... And that's about, I don't know, 1830, 1850 on the Russell 2000. If it can't sustain that level, then that's a definite sign that the turbulence that we've seen for the last 22, 24 months, the residual effects of getting over the hangover from the pandemic malinvestments, well, we won't be through that if the small cap stocks go back down to that 100, 200 day level moving average. And in fact, it's even worse than that. Because that's even below the level of what I've been concerned with and especially concerned with the last probably 13, 14 months. And that's that the small cap stocks can't get above or can't stay above their long-term moving average. And this is, you know, varies. It can be a four-year or a thousand-day moving average. It's something you don't hear me talk about a lot because it rarely comes into play. But over the last... 14 months at the same time that we've seen like 20 months worth of leading economic indicators in decline, which only ever happens during a recession. So at the same time, we've seen general leading economic indicators in decline that's been mirrored by the performance of the small cap stocks, which have just hovered up just a little above and a little below that long-term moving average. And the thing that's critical about that, the reason I've been so concerned about it for so long, is that because of those leading economic indicators, because the Federal Reserve has purposely been trying to create a recession, and because we've seen from time to time the larger indices dip down to that long-term moving average, but specifically 
these small cap stocks have not been able to break away from that long-term moving average. And that moving average is so important because you physically can't have a breakdown in the markets as long as the indices stay above that long-term moving average. So by definition and by historical precedence, if you go back and look at 2008 or the dot-com bubble or even the brief recession and brief market crash we had during the pandemic, that long-term moving average was severely breached. Now, it hasn't been severely breached in this last year. That's why we haven't had the recession. That's why we haven't had a stock market meltdown. But it's been an indicator to me that the undercurrents of the economy are extremely weak because these small cap stocks can't get above that level. And until they do, until they sustainably bounce off of that level, then I believe the markets are in danger of a big pullback. Now, again, I want to emphasize here, I am cynically optimistic about the stock market performance in 2024. I don't plan on being long-term in money market funds for safety like I was over these previous 12 months. That'll all change if we see these small cap stocks not being able to hold support at that 100, 200 day or this longer term thousand day moving average. But until that happens, I will remain cynically optimistic because two things have changed going into 2024. Number one is what I just already talked about. In 2023, the Federal Reserve was purposely trying to create a recession. Go listen to what Jay Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, talked about with creating unemployment. He said that the Federal Reserve was prepared to see high levels of unemployment to fight inflation. That's code talk for we're going to throw the economy into recession. It didn't happen. And now that we're moving into an election year, especially an election year when the establishment wants to kind of keep the status quo, I think it's highly unlikely that the Federal Reserve purposely wants to create a recession. Now, that doesn't mean they won't create one anyways, just by happenstance or a black swan event may occur or the long and variable lags of their high interest rates may still cause one. But one thing we can take off the table is that they're not purposely trying to create one. Now, the other thing that's improved is that it does look like corporate profits bottomed last year. Declining corporate profits were a huge concern to me. They never got as low as I was afraid they would get. But we saw virtually no growth, maybe 1% growth in profits last year. But if you factor in that you know core inflation is at least 4%, then in fact, there, there was no real growth in corporate profits. But it does look that maybe that stabilized The important thing to remember, though, is that the projections that they're making for 2024 of double digits, in some cases, 12% profit growth, hey, call me skeptical on that one. I think that's highly unlikely. I think that's way over-optimistic. If for no other reason, I think it's way too optimistic because uh, look at the way corporate profits have performed since the pandemic. One of the biggest reasons that we had so much inflation was because of greedflation. Companies didn't sell more products, but they drastically improved their profit margin. They used the excuse for rising prices and supply chain disruptions to pad their own accounts. And if prices are truly moderating, then they won't have that ability anymore. 
And when you combine that with the fact that not only maybe were corporate profits artificially propped up during the pandemic, but over these last two months where we've seen a big rise in the general stock market, none of that had to do with profitability. That was all valuation expansion. Valuation expansion is a shorthand way of saying that stock prices went up, not because companies earned more money, but simply because investors were willing to pay a higher price to buy those stocks. In other words, the increase wasn't justified on a fundamental basis. That's one of the many problems that's being carried over from 2023 into 2024. Now, we're out of time. I'm not going to go into all those problems. If you're paying attention to the news, you know what they are. They continue to concern me. If nothing else, things like the geopolitical uncertainty and the risk that we're seeing from the political instability right now have only gotten worse. We don't have time to go into that now. We'll cover that in future episodes. I do want to end this episode, though, by saying if you are looking at jumping into small cap stocks at some point, my recommendation would be to avoid the very popular small cap ETF, which has the ticker symbol IWM. That's the iShares Russell 2000 ETF. I would avoid that because that contains all 2000 small cap stocks, of which you heard me say that you know nearly 40% of them have questionable profitability. A better alternative to that is an ETF that has the symbol SPSM, that's Sierra Papa, Sierra Mike, and it's the small cap ETF, but it focuses on the S&P 600 index, which filters out for profitability, and so you're getting the cream of the crop when it comes to small cap stocks. So that's where I would be putting my small cap money, and even better than that, I wouldn't buy an index, I'd dig down and find high-quality, profitable, but especially have low debt. So the companies are out there. That's where I would be putting my money if I was going into small caps right now. Well, hey, as always, thanks for listening. Until the next episode, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.